Welcome to A Penny for Your Thoughts, where Sean Bloomgren and Andrew Penny, technical agronomist with Bayer, uh, talk about all things agronomy. Uh, we are excited this morning. Uh, it's been a great week at Farm Progress Show. Uh, beautiful weather, lots of excitement in ag, and excited today to have a special guest, uh, Darren Mueller from Iowa State. Darren, how are you today? I'm great. How are you guys? Awesome. Boy, yeah, we're boy, doing. Am I, am I excited there, Sean? Uh, you know, you're you're right. We had an awesome week. Uh, more excited to have a good friend, uh, mentor, and uh, brains uh, when it comes to SDS on our show today. So feeling pretty good. Yeah, it's been a been a really good week. It's been fun to explore uh, the Farm Progress Show and and frankly just spend time with the ag community. Uh, it's always. Uh, uh, always energizing to be around um, the the farmers and thought leaders in the industry. Uh, Darren, as as our guest today, would you give us a um, tell us kind of who you are and what you do? Sure. Yeah. Uh, obviously, you just said my name, Darren Mueller, but I've been <laughs> extension plant pathologist here at Iowa State University for man. I've been at Iowa State now almost twenty years, but uh, in my current position for for over ten years, and um mostly field crops. I, I do have, we, we, we're starting to work on mung beans and a couple of things that wouldn't be corn soybean, but I would say the majority of my, my job is focused on field crops. And then the other hat I wear is I'm on the integrated pest management side of the world. So I'm the Iowa coordinator, but also the director of, a, of the North Central Center and then also the Crop Protection Network. So I wear a lot of hats but stay busy. Hopefully it keeps me out of trouble a little bit. <laughs> well, we really appreciate you um, taking time to join us today. Before we dive into SDS, um, I, I thought it'd be fun to ask both of you. Andrew, uh, you spent some time at the show uh, working, but also wandering around. Tell me what was, uh, tell me what was your uh, favorite thing you saw. Yeah, so so it, the, I would say the favorite thing I saw definitely aligned with what I was expecting. You know, we're talking we we kind of went over on the first the, the first episode what what we were excited to see, and I mentioned that sixty foot cornhead, and uh, there there was definitely some unknowns. You know, I didn't know if it was on thirty inch rows or twenty inch rows, and uh, that you know after seeing it, uh, that was on thirty inch rows, and that that's definitely what kind of wowed me. So, you know, just just when I thought things couldn't get any bigger, I'm, I remember twelve row heads and and then eighteen row heads and. I never thought I'd see a 24 inch or a 24 row head uh, on 30 inch rows. So it, it's cool, but you know, I'm just, I'm just thinking from a farmer perspective, you know, around this area, I feel like it's already kind of hard to get uh, plenty of grain cart operators and especially semi, semi cart <laughs> operators. Yeah. So, yeah. so, you know, picture in picture in 250 bushel corn that we often see around here. Uh, I think, I think it's going to be hard to keep up. So I think that's going to probably have to be used in some lower yielding areas until until someone's smart and makes a, a semi that can drive by itself to the, to the co-op. Yeah, it was, uh, it was funny looking at that thing. And I was, I was thinking back to one, I wonder what like our grandparents would think, right. They, they would see that and think it was, was some sort of made up piece of a made up piece of equipment. Uh, it's pretty exciting yep. to see Darren. I'd ask you the same question. What, what, uh, what were your takeaways from the show? You know, I wander around the show and I, I as an extension person, uh, I, one of the things that we struggle with is marketing extension. So I like to walk around and just look at how all of the other companies try to market themselves. And, um, well, and there's also toys, you know, all the drones, drone spraying, uh, you know, that stuff was pretty cool. But I, I, the takeaway for me was like a lot of the companies are coming back to 
uh, tying it back to a local presence and, you know, and really trying to reiterate that they're part of the community. And I, I found that to be pretty interesting because that's sort of how extensions, they've hung their hat on that for its entire existence. And so um, watching the companies come back and do that, uh, it was, was interesting. That's yeah, pretty cool insight. That's, yeah, that's very, very good. I, I appreciate the perspective. I, you know, as I, as I walked around the show, I couldn't help, but uh, I couldn't help, but really appreciate um, when, you know, you know, farming is, is very emotional, right? And it's, and it's, it, we, we have fluctuations in commodity pricing and, and the environment plays into it. But Andrew and I had a number of conversations where it just seems like growers are, are energetic and they're excited about investing in their crops. And it seems like when there's a little bit of margin, um, it's a lot easier to talk about how do we really push the envelope with yield and, and, and uh, drive for better crops. So uh, yeah, really, really enjoyed, um, really enjoyed the week up there. And it's fun to, to see both of you up there. So as we transition into a conversation about SDS, I guess, Andrew, could you kind of, um, could you facilitate a discussion with, with Darren and, and, and let's just talk about kind of first, what, what is SDS and, uh, and how does it, uh, how does it infect and interact with our soybeans? Yeah, that, that's perfect. That's, that's about where I was going to ask Darren to start. You know, I, th I think as we talk about what we're seeing in the field now and, and maybe get to some management practices, uh, expectations on what to expect, you know, what, what we're going to see over the next week or two if, if the, you know, these light rains or heavy rains continue. So, yeah, I, I figured we'd start, Darren. Um, so, so talking about uh, SDS, so it, it is a fusarium species, right? Fusarium virguliformi. So we, we often just call that FV uh, in, in the nerdy pathology world. Um, so, so walk us through that, that beginning process, Darren. I know, you know, over the last 15 to 20 years, we've, we've really done a lot of research on and maybe changed some of our initial thought processes on, on the, the conditions early season, you know, when we're starting to plant soybeans on what it takes for infection. So, so walk us through the, you know, April planting. Um, what, what are the environmental conditions that are, that are really conducive uh, for, for that FV pathogen to infect and, and what's the process? Sure. Yeah. And, and like I always say, like sun death syndrome is probably one of the best and one of the worst names out there at, at the same time, because uh, any farmer that goes out into their field in, you know, sometime in August and then a week later they come back and they sort of have this, oh, crap moment of, you know, seeing a large yellow patch the week before. And, you know, that disease can this disease can really progress quickly where that's where it gets its name. But why it's not really an accurate name is that the disease actually started you know two or three days after planting and and then it just sort of sits there and waits for you know the the, the reproductive stages and sean earlier you mentioned like hey people want to invest and, and really go after high yields unfortunately sudden death syndrome is one of those diseases that uh really likes farmers going after high yields and it's, it's sort of that's why it's sort of a devastating disease where you think you have a killer crop and then you start driving around and, and, and walking in your fields and you sort of get, you know, get punched in the gut a little bit. Yeah. So unpack for me a little bit. You said, uh, you said I'm going to observe SDS in the reproductive stages. And Andrew mentioned these rainfalls, but I also heard you say that sudden death syndrome infects my crop two to three days after planting. So obviously that, that happened a, uh, a hot minute ago. Um, 
talk talk to me a little bit about the infection of SDS and why I'm seeing the expression now. Yeah, so it, the the fungus and, and it enters right Fusarium virguliformi. There there's actually other Fusaria that that can cause it, but uh, there, and there's they've identified another one in Michigan, but predominantly and for the so simplicity is FV. Um, and so what happens is, is, is you plant and, and that infection will, will occur right? usually in that tap root or in that very initial root, you can start to find the fungus just days after planting, uh, in that root. And, and that fungus sort of hangs out, uh, a in the soil and, but then also in that root system all season and, and really up. And so you sort of think of a fungus that's you know sort of growing on your bread in the refrigerator or something you know like that it, it's sort of like this slow growth across whatever it's growing on uh this one doesn't do that once it sets up shop in that root it it, it can sort of move around on the root a little bit but then uh why you see the symptoms now is it actually produces a toxin and then that toxin is what gets translocated up to the top of the plant and that's why that's why you know andrew's mentioning the rains that those rains are needed and if you get especially a big heavy drenching rain you know like a couple saturdays ago here in central iowa we had a couple of inches that's like i in the pet in my world in my lab i call that the sds rain um you know that's going to help really activate that fungus in the root and and then get that toxin uh, flowing to the top part of the plant so so the fungus is not moving throughout my plant, the fungus is releasing a toxin and that toxin is what is moving throughout the, the canopy of that plant. Is that correct? That's correct. I, I think the, the furthest up we've ever isolated Fusarium virguliformi is maybe an inch above the soil line. So it, it really does stay down in the roots. Interesting. Yeah. So, so, so Darren, I'm curious, you know, I remember uh, many years ago, we used to associate uh, a very strong relationship with, with early season, cool, you know, cold soils in, in wet, uh, wet soils. What, what's the, what's the relationship now? Have we looked into that? Is there, is there more of a relationship with the cold soils, uh, saturated soils, or is it kind of a combo still? Yeah. I, well, you know, the, because there's that root rot phase, I think initially we all jumped on the cold, wet conditions and, and to, sort of add evidence to that is that we see, we tend to see more SDS in early planted soybeans. And so if you get out early you get it into cooler soils that are maybe stay wet longer. Um, we have some research now that shows that the temperatures probably don't play as big of a role as long as you have saturated. So if you think earlier this season, we, I, I, I sort of equate it to like it, it has several hurdles. SDS has several hurdles to jump over to get to, to to show up. And the first hurdle is having soybeans planted and then having wet soil, uh, sort of saturated wet soils. And that's what gives the the fungus uh, the opportunity to get into that root. Awesome. So, so, so with that, you know, I, I know we have, uh, we have some really good products, you know, we got uh, out there for, for growers to use, uh, you know, we, we got Olivo, we got Saltro and, and those both seem really effective. Um, what's, what's the, how do those really work? What's, what's the process of process of those, you know, uh, you know, de decreasing the amount of SDS uh, root rot and, and potentially, uh, you know, the foliar symptoms, what's, what's that process like? Yeah. And so it's, it's odd because there is a seed treatment that's going to be affecting 
symptoms late in the season, but that's because there's these two phases to the disease. And so both of these products uh, do a great job of protecting those roots early in the season from getting infected with Fusarium virguliformi. So, you know, we, we can look at it as like the, the, the percent root rot. I, I think most of the studies we look at, it, you will reduce the percentage of rotted roots 20 to 30 percent uh, using these treatments. Um, we also, there's, we have colleagues that look at the amount of DNA, the Fusarium virguliformi DNA that's in the roots. And it's a similar story. There, there's a significant reduction when, when using these seed treatments. And so we have, we have all, quite a bit of evidence showing that these fungi, these fungicides um, just do a good job of, of keeping the fungus out. So. Nope. As, as I'm planning, um, as I'm planning my crop for 2023, I guess, in, in, if you think about, let's say, let's say maybe a, a couple hours either direction from, from your office on Iowa State's campus, kind of prioritize for me, you know, those, those seed treatments versus uh, soybean variety selection. Uh, help me understand the importance of those, those, those rankings on the soybeans. So, yeah, <clears throat> just to, to, to frame it, Nick, if I were to identify how to manage sudden dust, start with the resistant variety and then complement it with a seed treatment. And if, if you look at, you know, we always, in all of my trials, I have a resistant and a susceptible line. And then we treat both of those with different seed treatments if they, if they work or don't work. And over the last 10 years, I can, you know, I think the average is a 70% reduction using a good resistant line compared to a susceptible. And the seed treatments... Uh, usually between 30 and 35% reduction of both foliar and root rot uh, symptoms. Um, and so it, it's, it's magnitudes different as far as collecting the right variety. It's going to be, you know, two times, three times more important than, than picking the right seed treatment. That's really valuable. And that certainly informs the thought process that we have to just start with really good base genetics um, if our, if our, our goal is obviously to produce high yield, is there anything I can do in season? So I'm sitting here on September 1st, I believe, or September 2nd, I guess. Um, is there anything I can do in season to help my soybeans? Uh, if I, if I'm suspicious of high levels of SDS presence. Unfortunately, if for this particular crop, no, but there's a lot you can do, um, and it's it would be going out and taking notes and you know and observing where SDS is at in those fields and where it's at what fields they're in, where it's at in the fields, what varieties look good, which ones didn't look good. Um it's I, I always put a plug in. I think the breeders have done an amazing job for, for most of the companies is of, of really honing in on decent resistance to SDS. It's not perfect, but it's it's very complicated. But you have to give them a little grace because it is a really difficult disease to screen for because it's so patchy. You can have an outbreak and then 10 feet away, there's absolutely nothing there. Well, if the variety that you're evaluating is, it happens to be in that patch, you have no idea if it was resistant or susceptible in that particular environment. And so, you know, some of the data that's collected, unfortunately is, is out in the fields and sort of at the bulk level. And so, that, and that falls on the farmers and, and the consultants is you get out there and, and take good notes. So 
Oh, that's great. That's great feedback. One of the things that Andrew and I have really preached to our customers, and it's something that is very important to us as an organization, is that um, ultimately the, the companies can do an excellent job bringing us products, but it's our job at Bloomer and Seed, our relationship with, with Bayer and Andrew, uh, to utilize the resources we have to really scout this stuff well and, and know and understand what's happening in our own fields. And, and, and certainly that is a, that's a high priority here. So, um, Andrew... Yeah. Uh, as as we wrap up, any any parting thoughts or questions for Darren? No, I, I guess I guess I had I had one other question. You know, Darren, you you often get to look at new products and, and maybe discuss d- discuss with manufacturers. You know, maybe stuff that people are just thinking about researching or or potential products that got coming out. You know, as I sit here, you know, I was always an outside the box thinker, as I'm sure you can confirm. <laughs> but I'm curious. <laughs> I'm curious, you know, you, you mentioned the, the, the toxin that gets sent up to the leaves. Uh, has anybody looked at that, that toxin specifically? And, and maybe if there's anything that could that could be sprayed on a plant that would be flow immobile or, you know, uh, absorbed to the point um, that would impact that toxin. Well, I'm going to I'm not going to answer that question directly because I, I, <laughs> I, I think, Sean, there's an interesting point uh, that I want to make is when you start looking at that toxin, most of the resistance that we select for, for SDS are to that toxin. If okay. you want, if you want to look at resistance for SDS on the root rot side, that's a pain in the butt, like going out and digging, <laughs> going after that. And so naturally you're going to like the, the easiest way to get to resistance is to the resist, resistance to the toxin. That being said, there are some good resistant varieties. I'm using air quotes. You can't see it on the podcast that have <laughs> high levels of root rot. And so sometimes when you're going after that yield, you, you might have the, the foliar symptoms are going to be driving most of the yield loss, but you will get yield loss from that root rot phase. And so as you start thinking about inputs, yeah, you can go out and select a good resistant variety, but we still see responses with seed treatments on a lot of the resistant varieties. And that's because they still have that other phase of that SDS disease. And so having that root rot phase and having a good healthy root is beneficial for a lot of things, even if, even if you have some resistance to that toxin. So yeah. now to Andrew's question, um, like, no, there's no products out there that will sort of detoxify that plant as far as we can see. In fact, if you look at, We've tried spraying different things at every different growth stage. We've tried a lot of different products. I, Andrew, you've been in my lab enough to know that we, we go through a lot of them. And, and really, it comes down to there's just two seed treatments right now that work. There's a couple of companies that have some products that I'd say are better than others. But the, the two that stand out right now are still Elevo and Sultro. And, 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 but there's, I'd say, stay tuned. You know, some companies have some things that even look better than those and hopefully they yep. get out they get out soon so awesome and, and so my, my final question would be to set expectations right now darren you know with as, as wet as we were uh this this spring and you know the the rains we've been getting what, what would you what would you tell growers you know as, as far as if, if you're in that in an area where sds has been fairly common over the last few years uh what would you you know if we keep getting these rains uh you know factored in with with those early spring spring season rains we've got what what would you tell them to expect you think we could see quite a bit of sds yeah well and we are i, I was out in my my plots uh uh tuesday after i had the farm progress show i hit one of my plots on the way home and almost every plot had sds and so we i would say you know the last couple of years it's been fairly 
we had a fairly dry end of the season and we didn't get a lot of good data on uh, SDS development. And so um, don't lose the opportunity to get out there and, and observe your fields and or your varieties that, that you're, you're, you're using because there, it's, it's, it's developing. It's not at catastrophic levels by any means, but there's still valuable data to be captured this year. Awesome. Well, Darren, uh, Darren, I, I greatly appreciate you taking some time to, uh, to join us. Um, some of Andrew's thoughts are only worth a penny. Uh, so it's, uh, it's always good to, uh, always good to bring a, a, a true product expert on. Um, we appreciate your time, Andrew, always appreciate you. Uh, we will be out, uh, we will certainly be out scouting and, and, uh, and would love to stay in touch, uh, Darren with you as, as we go through harvest this fall. You bet. Anytime. Yes. Thank you very yeah. much. I appreciate it. I appreciate you guys. Thank you for joining a penny for your thoughts. We'll, uh, we'll chat with you guys next week. All right. See ya. See you guys. Thanks. Bye-bye.